Hey, what's going on? It's At The Letters, presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer, and this is the 2021 Over-Unders edition. Arden Swelling and Ben Nicholson-Smith, as always, our producer this week is Andrew Norton. We thank him for filling in for Christian Ryan. Mike Tassoni is handling the video side of things, and Ben, the day is here. Over-Unders 2021, we are ready to go. We are. This is this is always fun. I think the over-unders have become an ATL tradition, as I'm sure most of our listeners know. To anyone who is not yet familiar, welcome. Hopefully everyone plays along uh, who's interested. And yeah, let's see how this goes. I've got a strategy, Arden. I'm not sure what yours is, but uh, I've got an overall thesis or approach for how I'm going to handle it this year. My strategy is the same as it is every year. Uh, wing it. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind. Make it up as I go along. You might have noticed off the top, by the way, I should say uh, we are sponsored this season by Miller Lite, who are going to be on board with us all year long. Very excited to have them aboard. Uh, and uh, hey, man, I love a beer. I know you do too, Ben. Pretty fitting title sponsor for at the letters this year absolutely welcome to miller light and what a time to be aboard uh talking baseball talking over under should be fun yes uh and you'll hear more about that uh later on in in the podcast but uh let, let's go man like let's get this yep started you want to kick it off first we've got 18 this year uh we'll kind of go back and forth and and i will you know give you the honors of introducing the first one Incredible. All right. And I should say before we get um, into these, we have three listener submissions included in this. So thanks to everybody who submitted a listener question. We picked a few. We had lots of great ones to choose from. Picked a few. You but we'll picked a few. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, I didn't even go through them, but you we, picked a few. We will start, though, with some of the over-unders that Arden and I came up with ourselves. And where better to begin than a pitching staff that includes a ton of questions and Arden, this one has to do with Steven Matz, the left-hander who was acquired from the Mets. Over-under is for his ERA. We have set it at 4.745. And the reason for that very precise over-under is that Zips projects 4.94, Steamer projects 4.54. So we just set it in the middle. Splitting the difference between Steamer and Zips. This is an interesting one because uh, let me very quickly look up. What was Steven Matz's ERA last year? Oh, geez. Nine, six, eight, <laughs> 2020. Yeah, that's pretty high. Uh, year prior, four, two, one, respectable. Uh, and the year before that, sub four, three, nine, seven. And those were over two pretty substantial samples, right? 2019, 160 innings, 2018, uh, 154 innings is in the NL. Uh, but still pretty good. Um, and the NL East has got some dangerous lineups in it as well when Steven Matz mm -hmm. was with the Mets. This is going to be a heart overhead one for me, Ben, because I think, All right. that, you know, true the to head form says, yeah, right. The head says over, but I'm, I'm actually going to take the under. I think that Steven Matz will be under a 4.745 ERA uh, just based on what I've seen this spring. And all the best predictions are made off of spring training results, as you know. And uh, but it's not just the results we've seen from him. Like the dude's got big league stuff. Uh, and, and I think that there have been some very real approach adjustments made. Um, and I think the Steven Matz is going to be a, a lot better. And I think he's going to run into less like home run bad luck than he did last year. Uh, dead and ball perhaps contributing to that. Um, although Dunedin perhaps just erasing any <laughs> possible, uh, you know, benefit from that. So like you can even tell that I'm not sold on this. I'm not fully convinced on it, but I just want to bet on the guy. So I'm going under. It's not too late to change your answer, Arden. If, you, if you're talking yourself out of it, you're going under? I'm convicted. All I'm right. actually not convicted at all, but I'm going <laughs> under. You're going under. Well, I think he's going to be helpful to this staff. I think they need him. There's no question when you look at the composition of this staff, they need Steven Matz. But tough ballpark, tough division. You said it. I mean, the ERA was very bad last year. I know. He had a I bad made your year. argument for you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm taking the over. This is this. Yeah, I'm taking the over here. Yeah, sure. no. In, in taking the opposite like result of you, I made your argument. Do we have an innings limit on this? We should actually. Yeah. An innings minimum. We want to say 50 or 100? <sighs> yeah, like 50 to 75, somewhere in that realm. Like just thinking about what workloads are going to be like this year, right? Yeah. 100 might be a little aggressive. 75. Say 75. 
done sure yeah no it would only help you really so <laughs> uh, now wait no a hundred yeah let's go a hundred a hundred sure a hundred yeah okay no there hesitation is. from you you're so confident in this one you should <laughs> you probably should be. it's big league stuff man i'll tell you it what is. like i i it is big league stuff just gotta know how to use it i think he's a big leaguer no doubt i just think he's a big leaguer who will have an era above four seven five Oh, what a transition into our second one, uh, which has to do with whether or not Alec Manoa will be a big leaguer. Obviously, the talk of spring, uh, striking out seven Yankees in a row, like just shoving every time that he's on the mound. Uh, this is an over-under for Alec Manoa MLB games in the regular season only, Ben, not postseason, regular season only. We have set the over-under at 6.5. And I'm going over here. I think that as much as you know, in my opinion, there is zero reason to think about having Alec Manoa on the big league team right now. I've seen, you know, some arguments to that effect. I just think, no, not ready. Let him pitch above low A first, and then we can talk about the major leagues. But I think he's going to advance quickly. I think that he is going to progress, build on what he showed in spring, and be a legit option for a team that, let's face it, will be in need of pitching toward the end of this year. So, you know, we set the over-under at 6.5, and I'm going over there. I think he pitches in at least seven major league games. I think I'm going to hedge based on my last answer mm-hmm. and take the under and just like bet on something occurring, whether it's an injury or whether it's underperformance or whether it's like the Blue Jays just not being in it in uh, September and yep. not really seeing a need for it to bring Alec Manoa up and start the clock. Because uh, I agree with you that like I think he can move quickly. And I think if the Blue Jays are like in contention down the run or August, September, uh, if they need an arm in the bullpen, I think Alec Manoa could step in and get big league hitters out with his fastball and slider out of the bullpen. I don't think that he's a you know fully rounded starting pitcher just yet. Still got to work on the change up and, and attacking hitters and you know getting through a lineup twice and just kind of the you know what it takes to withstand the rigors of starting pitching uh as a big leaguer but um yeah i think i could absolutely foresee a a scenario in which he's called up late in the season uh i'm just gonna take the under as a hedge so i'm under on that you know fair enough and i think my overall approach to this year and really to previous years has been to bet the under and so normally i am the guy who bets against good things happening for the blue jays <laughs> and you know sometimes that works out yeah but um but no odd, odd starts are that letters this year right? it is yeah right this is, is one that like classically i would be over and you would be under totally all right let's see where the next one takes us here and we're sticking with pitching with this one robbie ray obviously starting the year on the injured list but showed really well early in spring training and a guy who historically has just picked up tons of strikeouts. So we have set the over-under for strikeouts on the season by Robbie Ray at 149.5. Which is interesting because he starts the year injured and we aren't necessarily certain like when we're going to see him. That definitely is a factor here. But like when it comes to Robbie Ray and strikeouts, I'm probably going to bet on that. Like this is a guy who like reliably has, you know, like flirted with above 12 k per nine so realistically like what do i need him to throw to get to that 150 like you know not that many i mean 120 innings should do it pretty easily i would think so uh i think robbie ray can likely get to 120 and i think that he strikes so many dang hitters out that uh you know he'll he'll be up over 149 and a half so give me that over and it really does become an innings bet because in the course of robbie ray's career he has been just on a rate basis like he has been one of the most prolific strikeout pitchers that we've seen. Like he's up there with, you know, some of the very, very best in that regard. So it is an innings question, but he's starting on the injured list and things happen to pitchers all the time. So Mm -hmm. I'm taking the under here. I'm going to bet against him getting that 150th strikeout on the season. No, that is a classic Ben Nicholson-Smith safe bet. Yeah. That makes sense. Number four, Marcus Simeon. Doesn't get quite as much talk uh, as, you know, a, a key offseason pickup for the Toronto Blue Jays. Tough to do that when, uh, you know, George Springer has been signed by the team to a $150 million deal. But sneaky could be actually really, really impactful. Marcus Simeon um, on the Blue Jays, particularly like if, you know, Bo Bichette picks up like a, a hamstring issue or something for a month and all of a sudden Marcus Simeon's playing shortstop every day. Like you just look at like just that layer of protection that the Blue Jays have on the infield now is so much sturdier with Marcus Simeon in the fold than 
years prior where the sort of quote unquote replacement level players that you would be calling upon, like weren't going to give you anything close to what Marcus Simeon could Marcus Simeon 2019 MVP finalist, baby, a huge OPS plus number thing is the track record every season before that has him more around a league average hitter if not even a hair below and then in 2020 as we know tried to play through an injury early in the year didn't go well for him slumped substantially uh overall body of work numbers in the regular season didn't look that great although did finish on a tear and went like absolutely nuts in the postseason so uh considering all of those things we have set the over under on marcus simeon ops plus at 99 and a half essentially ben is he going to be a league average hitter or not what say you i think he will be i think he will be i think that even though as you said he has in his career had a lot of fluctuation he's had a lot of seasons where he is you know a little bit below average as a hitter but i just think he is someone who finished really strong in 2020 who had an MVP caliber season in 2019. Obviously, at the beginning of last year, he had the oblique that he was dealing with. I just think he's going to hit. I think that he is currently a better hitter than he was when he first came into the league. So I'm not saying 115 OPS plus, but I think he can be a little better than league average. And that's just based on Marcus Semyon. The fact that he's in a good lineup with a lot of other hitters might nudge him forward a tiny bit. The fact that he's in a good park you know, we kind of assume that's baked into the OPS plus because that's something that baseball reference takes into account. But um, I'm taking the over here. I'm pretty comfortable taking this over. Yeah, no, me too. It's an easy over for me. I probably would have gone over it like 104 and a half. Honestly, wow. um, I think Mark Simeon's going to be really, really good. Uh, yeah, I think the Blue Jays fans are going to love this guy. I think the Blue Jays should look to extend him <laughs> midseason, honestly. Um, you know, I think the Blue Jays were open to having him sign in Toronto for longer than just one year. And just the way that things kind of worked out one year made the most sense for both sides on the AAV that they were talking about. But I think there was absolutely a world where the Blue Jays would have signed him for multiple years beyond this one. So um, that's a guy who I am expecting big things from this season. The one thing that could hurt that would be health, right? in my opinion. But otherwise, like I'm I'm pretty confident that you're going to get a, a better than league average hitter in Marcus Simeon. Let's throw a 200 plate appearance minimum on this. Yeah. 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 Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Just to be on the safe side, always good, good to set these things at the beginning. Marcus Simeon plays a week and like goes yeah. nuts. And it's like, oh, he's got a 180 OPS plus. And then he go goes ahead. down. No one, yeah. no one needs that. And we're going to go back to pitching with the next one. So this is Nate Pearson. He's starting the season on the injured list. We know that. We don't know when he's going to come back, but we do know that he has tons of potential as a pitching prospect. And so this is a tough one. I mean, Zips projects him at 99 for innings on the season. I'm not sure if that takes into account the fact that he's currently sidelined. So no, that would bumped, have been pre-injury. Yeah, so yeah. we bumped it down. We moved it to 89.68, you know, essentially. Basically, the question being, does he reach... 90 innings this year yes the 89.68 being that the 89.66 or 67 would have been two-thirds of an inning yes. always have to account for that i'm gonna go over i'm gonna bet on nate pearson man i'm gonna make another one of my uh you know bets that probably will look foolish in, in hindsight but uh i'm gonna bet on the kid i think that he's gonna show up after he gets over this little groin issue uh and shove and just kind of show everybody that uh you know that is doubting him and that has been you know speaking ill over the last uh several months and, and really dating back to last season even which obviously didn't go the way that, that anybody wanted it to like i feel like people had like kind of tuned out the Jays in that two-game postseason series by the time Nate Pearson was on the mound. Yeah. Go back and watch those two innings. Like, seriously, if you weren't paying attention, if you haven't, like, you know, seen it in a while, go back and watch that because dude was dominant. People have forgotten how good he is and how good he can be. So uh, I know that has nothing to do with workload, but I'm going to go over. I'm going to say he gets 90 innings. Well, if he does, then that's a good sign for the Jays. I think... I answered questions along these lines in an edition of Blue Jays Confidential that will be up uh, by the time people are listening to this. And my answer as far as the breakout player the Blue Jays really would want to see take that step forward is Nate Pearson. I just think that he's the guy who has the potential to advance 
the potential and interests and upside of this team the most, more than anyone. There is so much upside there. But at the same time, we're talking about pitchers. We're talking about someone who's currently on the injured list with no clear path to returning. Like he's not going to pitch in game seven or probably in game 10 of the season. So I'm taking the under here and I don't delight in doing this, but I'm going under 90 innings for Nate Pearson. No, that is the uh, the head V heart yeah. uh, way of looking at it. One player who I know is close to your heart. As much as a player can get close to Ben Nicholson Smith's heart, which is not easy. Uh, <laughs> young Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. has done it. Ben's been predicting Vlad breakouts for two years running, and he has been wrong for two years running. Although exactly. Vlad is fine, above average major league hitter at the age of 2021. 20, Nothing to shake a stick at, but not quite, you know, even like Ben would admit, like his quote unquote breakout projection was like, oh, he's, you know, top 15 hitter in baseball type yeah. of deal. Like you thought sky high. A lot of the problem with that over the last couple of years has been too many ground balls. It's an interesting thing, right? Because like Juan Soto hits a ton of ground balls, right? He just kind of combines it with some other things that he does very, very well, you know, with the walk rate and, you know, with uh, a bit more sprint speed and, and you know, maybe a little more luck on batted balls um, that kind of helps him be among that elite class. Whereas Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits a ton of ground balls and it hasn't turned into the exceptional results that we've been expecting from him. So, let's take a look at Vlad Jr.'s launch angle and let's see what we think his launch angle is going to be in the year 2021. So just for some context, the lower your launch angle, the more likely it's going to go into the ground, the higher your launch angle, the more likely it's going to go up into the air, typically something between 10, 25 degrees considered a line drive. Yes. The MLB average launch angle in 2020 was 13 degrees. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2020 averaged 4.6 degrees. A year prior, he averaged 6.7. So trending in the wrong direction over two short seasons as a big leaguer. This spring, another extremely small sample, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s average launch angle was 8 degrees. So really, all that considered, the question we're asking is, will Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on average over the season, probably another thing we should add a minimum to now that I think about it for bad ball events, right. but on average over the course of the season, will Vladimir Guerrero Jr. reach that minimum threshold for a line drive launch angle? At 9.95, we are setting the over-under average launch angle for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You want to say 100 batted balls minimum? Is that reasonable? I need to look at what the proper yeah. context is, and I'm not going to make people watch me look it up right, right, right. now. Let's like, say it's something like that then. It, it, that might, it might be higher, but yeah, somewhere in yeah. there. So I am taking the under. I'm taking the under. Now, as you said at the beginning there, Arden, I have been predicting breakouts for Vladdy for a couple of years now. And this year is not going to be an exception to that. I am going to predict a breakout for Vladdy. I think we don't have an OPS over under for Vladdy this year. But honestly, like, I think I would be taking the over at 840, at 850, at 860, at 870, at 880. Like, I really think Vladdy is going to have an incredible offensive season. And yet, as you said, with Soto, uh, Tatis is another one. You don't have to have these high average launch angles like Joey Gallo to be a good hitter. And just given what we've seen from Vladdy so far in his career, I think he's showing us that he hits it at a pretty low launch angle. We even saw that anecdotally this spring. So I just think he's going to have a monster year with some monster home runs. But I think that for the most part, that launch angle will stay relatively low. Yeah, the fact that he had this crazy tear in spring and the launch angle was only eight certainly gives me pause. Yeah. But eight is obviously like, that's like double what he did last season. And then even in 2019, that's yeah. higher than that. Only needs a couple more points to beat this this over-under. I take the over. I don't know that he's going to be a, you know like Mike Trout, like in the 20s type of yeah. launch angle type of deal. But yeah, I could see 11, <laughs> you know, I, I could see that. I could see over 10, certainly. So I think he will surpass the uh, the threshold for, for average launch angle. Like, and I think that a lot of it will have to do with the conditioning. Will have to do with being a little bit, you know, slimmed down and having some better, more consistent 
swing mechanics, right? Like, and I think so much of that gets back to, you know, we only see the swings that hitters take in games, right? But for mm-hmm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the swings he takes in games are like 5% of his swings in a day, maybe, right? You yeah. think about all the swings off a tee in, in cages, all the BT swings, right? Everything he's going to do with, you know, Guillermo Martinez behind the scenes. After the game at times. After the game, in between plate appearances sometimes. Like sometimes guys during games go back behind the dugout yep. and swings. That repetition and that practice, that workload when you are not in the best possible physical condition can be fatiguing. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has talked about that. He's talked about how he would get tired with the amount of swings that he would have to take. He's talked about it with ground balls and with his routines like before games with fielding and trying to improve that and how, you know, we've heard him say this this spring, you know, some along the lines of, hey, now I can take 50, 60 ground balls and be fine, whereas before I wasn't. And I do wonder if that amount of repetition and that amount of just practice on his swing away from games and the subpar conditioning that he was carrying like when he did that practice if that negatively impacted the launch angle and if that helped him kind of like layer in some motor patterns and like some movement patterns that like were really on less than ideal for him and if now that he's better conditioned and better able to you know withstand that practice and kind of you know put in some better mechanics and maintain them and carry them into games after all that work pregame, I do wonder if we're going to see like a very tangible effect with his launch angle and with balls just being higher line drives rather than getting beat down into the ground. It's possible. I mean, I do think that his launch angle is going up. At the same time, being in good shape doesn't necessarily mean that you're hitting it in the air more. It would suggest, as you're kind of outlining there, that you're going to be better equipped to do the things that you want to do. And Vladdy does seem to want to hit it in the air a bit more. And I guess we'll see how much. Yeah, no, Fernando Tatis Jr. is in pretty good shape. Still hits on the ground a lot. If you follow him on Instagram, (laughs) there is no doubt about that. All right, our next Vladdy Jr. over-under. And wow, this is also our last Vladdy Jr. over-under. There were a couple of years where we had whole sections devoted to Vladdy, but... um, This one, very simple. It's just home runs. How many home runs is Vlad Guerrero Jr. going to hit in 2021? Arden, this is not based in science or projections or history. We picked this number because it kind of feels fair. And the number is 32.5. Yeah, so we we did the one Vladdy over under that was like the baseball nerd one, right? Yep. With like all this context and like, you know, it's launch angle and advanced statistics and thinking about mechanics and swing paths and stuff. This one's for the real baseball fans, right? Like this <laughs> yeah. one's for the blue collar baseball fans where it's just like, how many bombs is the guy going to hit, man? Yep. I don't know. Do we have real context for this number? Nah, like, you know, 33 no. just sounds good. Right. 33 just sounds right. Exactly. All that said, I'm going to take the under. Uh, and that's basically just going to be betting on him missing some time with an injury at some point. Um, I, I just think that's probably likely to happen. So I think it's going to be hard for him to get to, to 33. I also think that just like he's a line drive hitter, man. And so I think he's going to hit a ton of doubles. And I thought about pitching you on this one and we didn't do it, but uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. triples over under. Oh, yeah. I thought about that as well because I think yeah. that like, he might have a surprising amount of triples. But home runs, uh, 33, no. I could see 30, I could see 31, I could even see 32, but I I will draw a line at 33, I will go under. I'm going over. I I think that people have probably anticipated that by now. I'm going over. And I could see him just shattering this. Arden and I are going to drop a couple of bold predictions later in this podcast. And I considered a Vlad-oriented prediction because... I can envision scenarios where you look at this guy and the shape that he's in right now, the way he's hitting the ball and connecting right now, hitting in that ballpark, Dunedin, and then Buffalo, and then maybe Toronto, like in those conditions, in this lineup, at his age with, you know, all of the things that he's been able to do, like I could see Vladdy hitting 45 or 46 or 47 home runs this year. And I'm not predicting that, but I think... (laughs) <laughs> but wait <laughs> let's make this line like 39 and a half then what are we doing i'm not predicting that but i just think look i can also see him hitting 14 right i mean yeah. we've seen that so i am considering a wide range of possibilities for vladdy i'm not predicting 47 i'm not predicting 14 but he is someone who has such incredible potential offensively 
And at some point in his career, he's got a chance to do that. So I'm going over right here. The Dunedin factor is a thing. And yep. that's like the one thing that's always been very difficult to square with a lot of these. It's just like how much of an impact is that ballpark going to be? Because like, man, I know you've been there on those days in spring where it's like any ball in the air is going out. Yep. So like, I just wonder how many of those days the Blue Jays are going to get. But I also, I like, I haven't seen like games there in, you know, April, May, right? So I don't know if it changes. Yeah. But I do know I've seen games there in March where it was like, you know, pick the weakest home run hitter you can, like Munori Kawasaki is going deep there were days like that so like yeah, yeah i do wonder about that but uh oh well i'm in on the on the under you can change it no no i'm fine i'm fine all right alejandro kirk baby the cannonball catcher just gonna be fun to watch him play this year man no matter what happens and like we have to remember how small the samples are on this guy so like you talk about a wide range of potential outcomes like there's a lot of things that could happen with Alejandro Kirk you want to talk about like conditioning Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and maybe why that's like led to a couple of injuries they suffered earlier in in his career see how Alejandro Kirk stands up to like a big workload yep. and the rigors of daily MLB life and the grind of being a catcher at the big league level. Like, let's see how physically he's able to withstand that. See how that, even if he is able to play through the inevitable bumps and bruises and knocks that he's going to take behind the plate. Let's see how that impacts him at the plate. If he's able to execute that sweet, sweet swing consistently, that all plays in to the Alejandro Kirk OPS over under we have set it at 789.5 there's not a note here suggesting that there's any context to that but we have set the minimum plate appearances at 200 so essentially will alejandro kirk have a 790 ops which is rare for catchers yeah. I mean, you think about you know how many guys as i was do reading that. this i was yeah. like that's high it is high. <laughs> i don't remember why high. we said it that high but this okay. is a rookie catcher right like you look around major league baseball yes jt real mudo will do this or a handful of catchers in the course of a given year will do this but it's rare it's like you're you're basically a borderline all-star at this point yeah no, that'd be ridiculous and that's a lot to put on anyone like how many times i'll look this up real quick but Russell Martin, who is probably the best catcher in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays franchise, yeah. when you look at overall impact and, you know, no uh, disrespect to our colleague Buck Martinez there, but um, Russell Martin did some great things here. And yet his career OPS is 746 with the Blue Jays. That was 735. He only surpassed 800 twice in his career. So this is a high over under, but I'm taking the over. What was it that year he had the 400 OPP? 15 he had a 787 in 15 he had a 400 obp one year with the pirates he did yes with the pirates what was his ops that year 832 ops so that's what i'm saying like even just to get to 800 right like he had dude had a 400 obp guy got halfway there on on base percentage yeah and still like was not that you know super high above 800 anyway go ahead ben you're taking the over I'm taking the over. I think Kirk can do it. This might be one of those ones that backfires. I mean, there's a legit chance that it does. Obviously, he could be 775. That'd be a very good season. But I think he can do it. Far be it for me to be the guy to bet against Alejandro Kirk. But here I am. <laughs> here I am in all my glory saying it's going to be an under on 789.5. I just can't bet on a rookie catcher getting over like a 790 OBP. Yeah. The guy's got 25 played appearances above high A, Ben. (laughs) I just can't. Yeah. I just can't. I want to believe, like I want to watch Alejandro Kirk have an incredible season. Like it would just be so much fun, right? It would be so cool to just cover it and to see that happen. And if this guy really is just the prodigy, then like great. Awesome. He's the truth. He's the answer. That's super cool. The Blue Jays like found a real diamond in the rough with this kid who like remember Andrew Tinnish was like telling us when they discovered him, weren't even looking for this guy. Like they were there to scout somebody else. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, who's this sort of portly little dude who is like just barreling everything at, you know, the age of what at that point, like 14 or 15? (laughs) How old would he have been? Right. Or would he, I guess, did he sign a little yeah. bit older? He might have signed at 18. They can only sign at I know 16. they can only sign at 16, but I, we know what but happens. We all know. Right? But I think <laughs> yeah. Kirk actually might have signed yeah. at 18. 
I think. Right. Don't quote me on that, but I think. Which would even then like speak to like how out of nowhere he was, that he wasn't even a 16-year-old sign. That happened at a weird tryout somewhere in Mexico where it was like, who's this 18-year-old kid? And now here he is in the big leagues like not that long after. It's like 22 now. Uh, and he's going to be seeing a bunch of plate appearances for the Blue Jays. So super cool, uh, but I'm still taking the under on 789 and a half. Oh man, I'm second guessing myself here. This is like too many overs I'm taking. I gotta, I gotta bet against some Jays real quick here. Yeah, live a little. All right, this is our final one of the first segment here before we take a little break, and it has to do with the big off-season addition. George Springer, as we said, starting the season on the injured list, but just an incredible player. Somebody who, in his last full season, reached 6.5 WAR. He, in a shortened season in 2020, reached 1.9, which would put him on about a pace for five or so over a full year. Zips has him at four. So that is where we set the over-under for George Springer 2021 war. Yeah, it's a pretty like conservative projection by Zips, don't you think? Yeah. He was, he was I two do think so. in 2020, yeah. shortened season. Uh, we're talking F4 here. He didn't play every day in 2020 but this is also part of the reason why i'm gonna take the under is because i don't know that he's gonna have the volume to get there right he's got an oblique injury guys and he's starting the year with a soft tissue injury don't like that doesn't portend well for his availability through throughout the regular season i wonder if there's going to be another you know even if he does come back relatively quickly early in the season pricing a bunch of dh days it's going to limit the amount of defensive war that he can layer in there remember wins above replacement and all around stats not just offense maybe that limits him on you know the base pass a little bit Whatever those, you know, five, six steals that he was contributing to his war might not be there this year. Uh, so, you know, I think he could get up to three and a half wins, three, six, three, seven. No problem, man. But will he be over four? I'm going to bet against it. I'm going to go under. I'm going over here. And I just think we've gotten used in the last couple months to the fact that George Springer is a Blue Jay. But like, let's not forget just how good George Springer is. Like he is one of the best players in baseball. He's an incredible, incredible baseball player, an incredible hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball. So I think he's got a chance to have a six war season, to have a seven war season. I think that's realistic. Like, again, I'm not predicting that. He's also got a chance to have a one war season if he gets injured and misses all kinds of time. But he has incredible upside. I'm taking the over because I think that even in a scenario where things aren't perfect for George Springer, he is still an all-star caliber player. There's a wide range of outcomes with him. There's a wide range of outcomes, everybody, man. Like we talked about how For sure. strange like the 2020 season is. Like 2021 is going to be strange as well. Coming off of 2020, like kind of the carryover from that, the bleed over, the workloads. We talk about just pitchers, right? Increasing the innings. But you got to think about like position players as well, increasing their workloads and how that's going to impact it. You got to think about having fans back in the stands and that added layer of like stress and stimulus, which like is impossible to quantify. But every player reacts differently. And I know it's an ongoing conversation in front offices across baseball about like how are guys going to react, right? I'm sure the Blue Jays have talked about it going into Texas where they probably gonna have a full house on opening day how are players going to react to having that layer of stress for the first time in a long time so there's just like so many variables here and there's a lot of uncertainty to this season i think that you know we're gonna see a wide range of outcomes this this we're gonna see some stat lines this year that are just as weird as the ones we saw in 2020 no doubt i think honestly as a baseball fan or if you're in the industry like you need to be ready to recalibrate your expectations and assumptions very quickly people are going to burst and fade i think really quickly this season and that's going to lead us to have to reset our expectations uh, you know on the fly and what are over-unders if not an annual reminder how our assumptions leading into the season are ridiculous when given the benefit of like six months hindsight on in a normal year. A hundred percent. The one thing that you can always lock in about over-unders is that the very premises behind them are ridiculous six months later. Yeah, like several of the things that we are like discussing very soberly right now will seem absurd when we look back on these. Yeah, a hundred percent. Can't wait. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, the second half of over-unders when things continue on at the letters
It continues on at the letters Arden Zwelling and Ben Nicholson Smith. And Ben, it is time for the debut of a new segment that we'll be running throughout the season. And that segment is Keeping It Light, presented by Miller Light. And this is going to be uh, a bit of a fluid thing throughout the season, I think. Uh, you know, we're going to be looking for kind of lighthearted uh, oddities, you know, that, that happened during this crazy game of baseball, it's strange statistics, um, unusual sort of occurrences, maybe some notable quotes, um, just like anything that fits into that realm of like stuff that makes baseball so weird and so beautiful but as we record this right now like we haven't played any regular season baseball just yet so we, we don't have anything from an actual game but i think that for this week in the spirit of the over-unders episode that it is actually time for you and i ben to offer our boldest predictions yeah for the 2021 blue jay season like the most outrageous like and look Folks, it's not always easy to get Ben Nicholson-Smith to make a super daring, super brazen, low-percentage outcome prediction. He has promised me that his prediction is truly and totally, completely audacious. It is going to blow your mind. And Ben, I can't wait to hear it. It is out there. And I actually, I would push back on that, Arden. I think that I make a lot of bold predictions <laughs> that, that do not come true. It was just yesterday. Who's your that, MVP pick well, in our uh, preview? This, MVPs this, are a different uh, category. But if yeah. you recall, we were watching the Phillies game just yesterday. And I predicted that, I forget this guy's name, but he has some great blonde hair and a blonde mustache. And I predicted that he was going to take a, a home run swing and connect on a home run on that at bat. <laughs> And I don't think that's necessarily uncommon. But okay, um, you don't publicly share your right. most brazen right. and audacious predictions. I but think I that's think that the today difference. is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Yes. That changes. So here's my bold prediction. As you said, like I thought about Vladdy, you know, 40 home runs, not bold enough. We need to go bolder. So what I'm going to predict is that the Toronto Blue Jays will be hosting the wildcard game at the end of the 2021 season Whoa. at Rogers Center. Whoa! And on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays will be none other than James Paxton. Whoa! Okay, yeah, that's bold. Is that bold Holy enough? Crap, what, do we, what do we think? Yeah. I All know, right. I'm shocked. I don't know how to respond. <laughs> yeah, that that's is crazy. It. So you are in, like, within that prediction, you are predicting, yeah. A, that the Blue Jays are going to play ball games in Toronto. Yeah. Will there be fans? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You're, so you're predicting a pandemic as well, by the way. You're predicting public health and like government yeah. <laughs> and policy. This is awesome. Yeah. So you're predicting that the Blue Jays will receive clearance to play in Toronto by the end of the season, by early October. You were predicting that like there will we will be allowed to have fans in attendance yep. at this game and we'll have COVID-19 under control to an extent at which we can have large mass public gatherings. You are predicting that the Blue Jays are going to trade for James Paxton at mm -hmm. some point during the season or perhaps he gets released and they sign him. I don't no, know. It's, it's a point, trade. It's some, a trade. Yeah, they're going to trade for yeah. James Paxton from the Seattle Mariners. And yep. you're predicting that the Blue Jays are not only going to qualify for the postseason, but be yes. the better of two wildcard exactly. teams. That's truly bold. It is bold. But hey, look, Arden, this segment is not called predictable predictions or lukewarm <laughs> predictions. It is called bold predictions. And so I brought you my boldest bold prediction. <laughs> and there it is. There it is. I am on the record saying that our listeners know. James Paxton in Toronto, fans in the stands. It's going to happen on, you know, that first Monday, whenever it is. Be, brace yourselves. Get those jerseys ordered. Be ready. It's going to happen. Yeah, I'm just like, I am just shell-shocked, man. Hosting a <laughs> podcast with you for seven years or however long. It's like, I feel like I'm like a Sasquatch hunter and I finally saw one. Yeah. <laughs> finally <Well>, saw <laughs> the beast. Yeah. So what's yours? Let's hear it. I know. I, I thought mine was pretty bold, but no, I, now I don't. Okay. Bold at all. But I was going to uh, predict that Bo Bichette's going to lead MLB in hits. Yeah. I think that he will record the most right. hits of anybody in Major League Baseball that's bold. in 2021. I think that's bold. I think, I think yeah. it's bold. Now, yeah. I've been completely outbolded <laughs> by you, but like, yeah. I think it's pretty bold, man. Yeah. Nobody else is going to have more hits. Like that's you know, You're picking one guy to lead yeah. a category in MLB and yeah. a guy who doesn't even have a full MLB season. I think that's bold. We should have started with you. Yeah. Pretty bold, yeah. uh, clearly. But, it's pretty bold. Uh, yeah. And I think there's reason to believe that that 
can happen. He just needs to stay healthy, right? Yeah. But if he's on the field, man, I mean, Bo Bichette, like the thing I love about watching him play, like he is not up there to take a walk. He's up there to swing. He's up there to hit the ball like hard as hell. And he actually like went on a crazy tear over the last week of spring training, a little bit under the radar, unless you're really closely watching the spring training games. And I don't really blame anybody who wasn't. I tweeted it today and I forget what the stat was, but I think each of his last 10 balls in play were like up over 90 miles an hour and like six of them were over 100. He actually ended up leading the team in average exit velocity in spring, Bo Bichette. Uh, just kind of like coming out of nowhere to do that because he actually was not looking his best earlier on in camp. So like he is going into um, the season like with his swing locked in. He's seeing the ball well, clearly. Obviously like great bat-to-ball skills as we've always seen. Not looking to take a walk, as I said. Swing happy. Uh, Really good two-strike approach, which prioritizes contact and putting the ball in play. So you put the ball in play a lot, you put it in play at a really high rate of speed, that's going to lead to hits, particularly when you got a little bit of uh, sprint speed like Bo Bichette does. So that's what I based my uh, not-so-bold, I guess, prediction around. It sounds like a guy who should be hitting at the top of the order when James Paxton mm-hmm. makes that start at Rogers Center. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're right on both of these, then you heard it here first on At The Letters. Uh, let's get back to over-unders uh, with the bullpen. We are going to the bullpen. Uh, and this one's pretty simple. We're not naming an individual here, but whoever is the club leader in saves. So whoever leads the Blue Jays in saves in the 2021 season, will he have over or under 19 and a half saves? I feel like I'm coming off a highway right now and just, you know, adjusting to the speed limit, you know, like you're driving like (laughs) 80 in a 40 zone or something. All right. Got to slow down. Um, Yeah, I'm taking the over still. This is a, yeah, I'm taking the over. And the reason for that is I just think Jordan Romano is going to have a good year. And uh, yeah, I think he can get to 20 plus saves. <laughs> Feels a little <laughs> anticlimactic after I, James Paxton. Oof, man. Yeah, that that was, was out there. One year we should do like over-unders, like bold edition. Yes. Which is just like the most absurd, ridiculous. Just going wild. Song. Yeah, that would yeah. be that would be fun. Uh, anyway, I'm going to take the under. Uh, just because I think that the Blue Jays are going to have a bunch of different dudes recording saves. And because it's just so hard for me to pit, bet on reliever health this year as we've seen with Kirby Yates right so um you know I think Jordan Mono absolutely could be a really really good closer um could pile up a bunch of saves but I think the Blue Jays could also like just cycle a bunch of dudes through that role and I think that we could also see a bunch of injuries that kind of impact things in this bullpen so it's kind of hard for me to bet on one guy in the Blue Jays bullpen getting 20 saves so I'm going under that's a fair pick with that theme we will stick on the saves category here and we'll set another over under for the total number of relievers who will save at least one game for the Blue Jays. And I'll give you a little context here, Arden, before we start answering. And the context is that six players last year did record a save in a shortened season. So that's that's a lot. Six did that last year. And this year, of course, we'll see 102 more games than we saw last year. So the over-under is set at 5.5. So essentially, will the Blue Jays match that total that they had in 2020? Based off my last answer, I have to go over. Yeah. Clearly, uh, based off of everything I just said, like I think there's a bunch of dudes are going to get saves. Like all, So Jordan Amano, Rafael Delis, yep. David Phelps, uh, Ryan Barucki, Tim Meza, I think will sneak one in there somewhere. Yep. So I've already got five. I haven't even mentioned Chatwood, who like could you know sneak one in there. Uh, I'll give you this. How's this for bold? I think Anthony Castro will record a save. Yeah, at some I point could see this it. Year. I could see um, it. You know that um, combined with you know things Charlie Montoya has said about maybe managing a little bit to leverage and not necessarily naming one guy as his closer. I think that with injuries and with dudes being up and down and uh, just the amount of churn we're likely to see in the bullpen. Man, would it shock you if like Trent Thornton had a sneaky save somewhere, like Julian Merriweather? So I'm going to go with with the over on this one. You know, Arden, you make some good points and you've persuaded me. Oh, did I do that thing where I talk you out of your position? (laughs) Yeah, so I'm taking the over. But you just Uh, said Jordan Romano is going to get over 20. Mm -hmm. Is your prediction there. And you think there's going to be six other guys, five other guys? to? You make a good case. You make a very good case. I'm taking the over. 
I hate to do this. And in my notes, in our notes here, I was anticipating taking the under, but I don't know. I sometimes know. you just make some good points and you got to adjust course. <laughs> Damn, why am I so convincing? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't think I'll argue you onto my side on this one. No. Tanner Roark innings pitched. Uh, so Zips projects 133 innings pitched for Tanner Roark. Steamer projects 135 pretty liberal innings pitched on the projections there for Tanner Roark. Uh, and look, that's based on what he's done over his career. And it must be said, this is a guy that's logged a lot of innings yes. over his career. Diesel. Uh, logged Diesel, right? Diesel engine. Logged a bunch of innings in 2020. Didn't go necessarily well and a bunch of home runs. Uh, in the final year of the two-year deal they signed, maybe the rope is a little bit uh, tighter. Uh, we'll see. And, and who knows about health and everything um, this season. So the, those are all reasons why we have like not taken those projection numbers and actually uh, adjusted this over under down and put the Tanner Roark innings pitched over under at 99.68. So essentially, does he throw 100 innings or not? And I am going to take the under. I don't see it. I think that when you look at what Tanner Roark did last year, it was rough. It was rough. I mean, that was a 6.8 ERA. He allowed all kinds of home runs, uh, more than 2.5 per nine innings pitched. This is a guy who was hit hard, hit early, hit often. And I don't know, this might be recency biased. I mean, certainly his track record suggests he can do a lot better, but I have a hard time. There are scenarios in play here where he struggles and he's kind of moved out of that starting rotation. And it's not going to happen right away because they need him right now. But I just think having seen what I saw last year from him, it's hard to really say this guy's going to be a big contributor to this team. I'm going to go over. I'm not suggesting that these are going to be like 100 of the greatest innings that you've ever seen, but I think that they are going to be 100 innings that you are going to see. Yes. Uh, because I think that the Blue Jays are going to need innings, like all clubs. I think all 30 teams are going to be scrambling to make up innings this year, and I think that the one thing that Tanner Roark does like better than just about anybody in baseball is he takes the ball every five days. When he's not feeling his best, when he's you know banged up like through thick and thin, the guy takes the ball and gives you innings no matter what. If he doesn't have his premium velocity on that day, premium velocity for him not being particularly hard, he finds another way to get outs and to get through it. So I just think that the Blue Jays are going to lean on him for over 100 innings because uh, they're going to need those innings. And they will be better than the sort of replacement level innings that they might be getting off the waiver wire or from you know within the system um like i just think that they will look at tanner Roark and be like look we'll just even if it is like i don't know a five era like we'll take those 100 innings at a five era and we'll make up for it in in other places so i think he'll get over 100 you know we talked about on our last episode the idea of rolling the dice and whether the Jays would roll the dice on spring training if they could. Now, applying that same kind of thinking to Roark here, if you're the Blue Jays, do you think that you would lock in 100 innings at a 5 ERA from Roark, or would you roll the dice? Honestly, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would too. I'd take that certainty. Yeah. I know that's not like a sexy answer, but I think <laughs> I honestly would take the certainty of yeah. 100 innings of 5 ERA with my offense and with you know feeling like I can make up for it on other you know other parts of, of my pitching staff. I think I would take that bulk. Yes, there's value to that. I agree. And also, Tanner Rorick is not the type of guy who would be impacted necessarily by like the workload stuff there's like i think if there is one class of pitcher that you do feel good about it's like the roarks like the lance lins you know like the keichels like the guys who are vets who have had those like high inning seasons who like not in 2020 but in 19 and 18 and 17 were like 150 plus inning guys those are the guys who I think will be better suited to with like to weather the workload fluctuation of going yep. down in 2020 and then way back up in 2021. If anything, it might actually help them to have thrown a little bit less in 2020, maybe get over some nagging things, not like just a little back off, a little deload season, essentially, yep. right? Like just a little back off and workload and then come back. I think those are the guys who are really going to carry a lot of miles for, for pitching staffs across baseball this season. I think Tanner Roark's one of those guys.
It's true. And I'm not trying to sell the guy short here. There's a chance that he really does bounce back. He had a really good track record before 2020. It's just hard to bank on, which is why I, I end up on the on the under there. All right. So we got another one here. And Arden, you were mentioning the idea of exit velo and Bichette having some hard hit balls. Another guy who's right up with him on those leaderboards is Rowdy Tellez. And we have not talked a ton about him on ATL in the course of the spring, but he is going to be starting pretty much every day to start the season, it looks like. And so we are setting an over-under for him for home runs. Again, back to the classic, just back of the baseball card stats. And the number that we have landed on here is 24.5. He's going to play more than he has in the past. And the dude hits bombs. Yep. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if some of the approach adjustments are for real. Um, I'm optimistic that they are. I know the Blue Jays are optimistic that they are. I know there's people within the Blue Jays who believe that like he's going to break out this year and he's going to have a huge season and that, you know, you combine some of the approach adjustments at, at the plate and some of the swing decision adjustments and the pitch selection adjustments that he's made, you combine that with a, you know, just a bit of a more mature mental approach, I guess, or just a bit of a more advanced approach mentally at the plate. And I think a lot of people are predicting big things for him. But for me at 24 and a half bombs, like I think he could hit 25 bombs even if he's not playing every day like but i think he's going to play a lot and i think he will surpass 24 and a half i am over on rowdy Tellez home runs all right well this is where i go back into the mode of being a bit more like a i don't know like a security hedge trader. man you gotta yeah. layer in a couple hedges no yeah. exactly i'm taking the under yeah and got diversify i think you know when you're looking at the various ways this season could go it could be performance, it could be playing time, it could be injury. And those are three ways that Telez could fall short of 24.5 home runs. And I think he's a good hitter. I think he's going to have a good offensive year. But I just think the safe bet here is the under. So I'm going under. Fair enough. Moving right along. This is the first of our listener questions from Twitter that, that Ben was kind enough to select. And this one is from Ann Campbell at Filmgate Reviews and asks, uh, over under total number of different positions Kevin Biggio plays during the season. And uh, Ann has set the over under at four and a half, Ben. I'm going under here. And as I think this through, interesting, he's going to play third, he's starting at third. Are we counting DH, by the way? We should note that. We're not counting DH, right? No, that's yeah. not a position. No, yeah. defensive positions, we'll call it. Yes, defensive positions. So he's going to play third and second. Maybe first. He'll play some outfield somewhere. Yeah, will he play left and right? No, you know what? I'm going over. I think he's going to go over. Usually yeah. I talk you out of your uh, your priest. Like, so on our yeah. notes, you are under. I'm going over. I just, now that I think about it, because he's definitely playing second and third, he'll play first at some point and he'll play left and right. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no doubt on yeah. the over. Like, to me, it's, the, it's easy over. Yeah. Third, second, undoubtedly. I think there will be a game where he has to play first for an inning. Give him the first. And then not only will he play a little left and a little right, he might play a little center. He could. <laughs> like, you know, like he did it. He did it last year. And I, I doubt he did it like, you know, more than 20 innings last year, but he did it. So if we're just talking about like positions played, yeah. I am easy over on four and a half. Yeah. No, I think uh, I'm with you on that one. And, I, I'm and surprised. You too, even though in the notes, you have even adjusted it. Yes. Yes. Are you adjusting these as we go? Might as well. I should be paying attention to the future ones. <laughs> make sure you're not doing anything sneaky yeah. here. All right, well, let's get right, to our next one. I, I will say, too, to everyone who submitted, once again, thank you very much. We didn't have room to get them all in here, but thank you all for listening and for submitting the questions. Honestly, we appreciate it. So, so thanks for that. Now we have a question from Eric Hartman, a longtime listener. And this question is an interesting one. The question is, will the pitcher who finishes second on the Blue Jays in innings pitched have 125 or more innings so will that number two pitcher as far as innings reach 125 so the over under is 124.68 essentially yes exactly because 124.6667 would be you know 124 and two two thirds right so essentially the over under for the pitcher who finishes with the second most innings on the team is set at 124.68 i'm going under because i'm just not betting on pitcher innings this year 
can call that a hedge, but I just am not betting on pitcher innings. So I know I took Tanner Roark at the over on 100, so I'm playing with thin margins here. I need Roark to finish between <laughs> 100 and 125 unless dun, 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 Tanner Roark leads the team in innings pitched, <laughs> which would be a disaster, but could always happen. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the under on the second place finisher All right. having over 124.68 so you've got robbie ray with quite a strikeout rate then or maybe he's the team leader i know right yeah there are some logical <laughs> every year there are yeah, logical inconsistencies throughout over last year like, remember I, that one yeah. year where you were like you said vlad is like yeah. not gonna hit a lot of home runs but is gonna have a huge slugging percentage something yeah. like that i i yeah. painted myself into a corner where like the only yeah. way was if he had like a very precise stat line so yeah it happens you know you do enough of these it happens live by the sword die by the sword man exactly there's no way around it and for this innings total i you know i wouldn't take it by much but i'll take the over here i think someone beyond ryu someone's gotta throw these innings exactly someone (laughs) has to and ryu's getting there i think we think so i think someone else will whether it's ray roark whether it's stripling maybe pearson if all goes well those are kind of the guys really Mats, yeah. maybe someone who can say with freaking innings Thornton? here for pitchers, man. Yeah. yeah, like I, like I, I don't, I do not know, man. But like, I just think that what I do think is a lot of teams are gonna have like double digit arms in that seventy to like yeah. one twenty range. Exactly. A lot of clubs like pitching staffs are gonna look like the Tampa Bay Rays pitching staff yeah. <laughs> usually looks like. So I don't like I, I don't know. Do you think anybody will throw two hundred innings this year? Yes. Yeah. One or two won't. guys? I think ten. Because like I don't know, Kershaw could, Scherzer could, um like you could have Stroman do it. He's done it before. Uh Lance Land could do it. Uh Stroman's an interesting call. DeGrom That's obviously a good call. Cole Bieber yeah I think I think some guys will do it for sure so you're going over you think the second place finisher will be over 124 yeah. and two-thirds yeah I, I'm just gonna bet under because I'm not betting on pitcher innings this year yeah. um all right our final listener question is from David Hahn games started between Hatch K Thornton and Zoik so uh game started between those four I don't know what the original line was because we changed it and you have indicated that we have changed it. But so we, we definitely bumped it up from yeah, what it was. It was around 16 and, and a half, but we bumped it. It's around 16 and a half. Okay, so we've made it 32 and a half. And here's our reasoning for that. We were basically asking if um, Thomas Hatch, Anthony K, Trent Thornton, and TJ Zoic will combine for like one rotation spot's worth of games started. So that's why we set it at 32 and a half. So will those four combined the over or under 32 and a half game started is the over under over someone's got to do it right it's like you said before like someone they have 162 of these things that's gonna and it's about to start 162 in 185 days like it is unrelenting once it starts we all know this you know for for those of us who have watched even one normal season of baseball like it just doesn't let up it's not like these other sports where you have a week or two off like it comes at you so quickly and so what you need to do is start whoever's healthy and these guys i just think you know between the four of them it could easily be way more than this but i i'm comfortable taking the over here i'm gonna go under uh and i'm gonna go under on 32 and, and a half starts for those four uh because i think somebody in there is going to get hurt uh one of them already is hurt in thomas hatch with an elbow injury uh i think somebody in there probably just won't like get enough opportunities and i could see that being trent thornton who's actually starting the year in the bullpen uh i could see it being anthony k who's starting the year likely in triple a rotation i could see it being tj zoic who looks like is going to start the year uh or is going to start the year with the blue jays but we don't know how many starts he's actually going to be getting in that time i could also see a lot of these guys pitching behind openers pretty frequently it's something we've seen them do with right. in the past right something they could look to do with zoic as well you're locked in ben i'm not yeah. talking out of no, it right i now. am locked in that's a good point though that's a very good point you went first uh yeah. so you were locked in so i'm going under for all those reasons i agree like somebody has to make like there's 162 starts have to come 
from somewhere and somebody has to make them. Like, I'm sure some of these guys will. Tommy Malone might make some of them. Look, you had James Paxton starting the wildcard game. I think that Kevin Gosman, who will be lined up to start game one of the ALDS behind Paxton, uh, will likely make some of these starts. Uh, somebody's going to make the starts. But for these four to get over 32 and a half, I cannot bet on. So I'm going under. I like the Kevin Gosman shout out. He's, uh, yeah, he's getting a lot of love on ETL, I think. I'm, I'm pretty convinced he will be a Toronto <laughs> Jay this yeah. year. Yeah. Like, if it was over under games played in yeah. a Toronto Blue Jays uniform, Kevin Gosman in 2021 set at 0.5. Yeah. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the under. <laughs> <laughs> but as you know, I'm over on Paxton, so I guess that washes. All right, so we're in the home stretch here. We got two left. We got two left. And these are the big picture ones here. And so I will start with a very simple one. Team wins. And we did not go, we had to adjust the projections. I think that, you know, when you look at just what we know about the team and its injury status, we can probably set a fair over under using, you know, Fangrass, Prospectus. They have the Jays in the upper 80s. We have set the over under for team wins at 86.5. Yeah, I think that, you know, if everybody was healthy, if Springer was healthy, if Yates hadn't gone down, we might have set this around like 88 and a half, maybe. Yeah. Maybe even 80, maybe 87 and a half. Yeah. 86 and a half sounds right. It makes me think if I had to predict a number right now, yeah, like 86 sounds pretty good to me. I'm going to take the under on this just based on obviously the injuries we've seen to this point, the fact that they're probably going to play the first, I don't know how many games without their best player in George Springer pitching. Like I think I'm higher on this team's pitching than a lot of people are, but I certainly don't think it's like a strength. (laughs) So like, I I do think there's going to be some, some pitching issues throughout the season. And then it's just the, the division that they're in, man. Yankees are really, really good. The Rays are really, really good. I don't think the Rays are getting as much love as they should be uh, preseason. I know that they made some like significant subtractions from their rotation in Blake Snell and Charlie Morton, but like they they can because they can fill from within because they have like an incredible system. They have really, really good young pitchers on the come up, and I think that from a depth perspective, they are as well positioned to you know withstand the rigors of this crazy season as any clubs. So I think the Rays are good, and I think the Red Sox can be better than a lot of people think they're going to be um like the the red sox get slept on a little bit i don't think the red sox are better than the blue jays uh but i do think the rays will likely finish better than the blue jays i think the blue jays will finish third in the division i think the red sox will not be that far behind the blue jays uh so for all those reasons i'm going to take the under on a six and a half wins for the blue jays man see this is this is one of the hardest ones we've done so far i could talk myself into either side i think this is you know if, if i do say so myself i think this is a very well set over under i need to go over wow yeah i think didn't over. see that coming why do you think that good team because you just predicted that they were going to host the you kind of have to go over <laughs> yeah you predicted they were going to host the wild card game yeah, that was a, that was a have bold to be prediction yes oh, uh sorry yeah no 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 uh, hey it's out there now it's out there but um <laughs> yeah you know what i think they've got such a good lineup i don't think this pitching staff is very good but i think their lineup is so good and so they can improve on the pitching staff at the deadline. I don't buy into this pitching at all. And we've talked about this. Like, I don't think this is a good pitching staff. But I do think that their lineup is outrageous. Like, it is so deep. So I think that's going to offset the pitching. I think they're going to win 87. Well, that does play into our final over-under, which is team postseason games played, an annual over under here on odd letters and just uh to be completely clear if mlb decides 45 minutes for first pitch on opening day as they did last year to say hey we're expanding the playoffs hey we're changing the rules uh you know as like you're rubbing up the baseball through the first pitch of of the season if they do expand the playoffs this question this over under is as we understand the playoffs today which is three division winners and two wild card teams so postseason games played for the toronto blue jays over under 0.5 over i think they make it in i do not think they beat the yankees for the east i think they're a wild card team but i do think they make it in it's tough like they're gonna have competition angels white Sox, twins 
Red Sox Rays. I just think that in in the five team postseason, I don't see the Blue Jays making it this year. Fair. Uh, just considering where they're starting with the injuries that they've had, with the the pitching that they're going to be relying upon. Um, I think if playoffs were expanded, I certainly would be betting on the Blue Jays to be one of those yes. teams. But I do not think they will be uh, a top two wildcard team, which they essentially need to be if they're not going to win this division. So I uh, I am under on 0.5 postseason games played. I feel like I took too many overs. I, I, every year I tell myself I'm going to take the unders and I don't know. I I don't know. We'll see here. <laughs> uh, there's no sense in trying to predict it. You can't predict baseball. ATL over unders, an annual exercise in, in demonstrating that you can't predict baseball. So hopefully you enjoyed it this year. Hopefully you played along at home. I uh, can't wait to loop back to this in six months and uh, laugh at how ridiculous some of these uh, were. But that's going to be it for us. Uh, we've got the brief kind of news pod that came out this week. If you want to catch up on everything that's going on in Blue Jays camp. Also, on opening day, Thursday, April 1st, Ben and I are going to be live on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on sportsnet.ca answering your questions 12 p.m noon for an hour leading into the 107 first pitch in the bronx garrett cole versus hunjin ryu for an hour leading into that we are going to be live on the internet taking your questions uh and chopping it up about the blue jays so please join us for that and looking forward to what should be uh, an interesting season no matter what it's gonna be plenty to talk about want to thank andrew norton for stepping in this week and producing this episode christian ryan will be back soon and with us throughout the season i want to thank mike tassoni for his work on the video side I want to thank you for listening for ben nicholson smith i'm arden zwelling this has been at the letters <laughs>